Welcome to Finance in the Clouds. Modern finance is broken, forcing finance and accounting teams to work like it's 1985, the year Excel was invented. Here, we talk about the struggles finance teams face in fast-growing companies and discuss how they can spend less time catching up and more time in the clouds. I'm your host, Jake Jones, multimedia producer and brand influencer at Zone & Co. And I'm joined this week by Sam Berkman, Vice President of Brand at Zone & Co. Thanks for joining me again today, Sam. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Jake. As we continue our conversations around the complexities of the payment process, today we are going to hear a tangible experience dealing with the ups and downs of payment reconciliation. Sam, second time back on the podcast, getting a lot of return guests lately, but just remind everyone at home uh, who you are and what you do for us here at Zone. Yeah, it's awesome to be back. It's so fun seeing different people come back on the podcast and they're more of their perspectives. I'm Sam Berkman. I'm the vice president of brand at Zone Co. Our team is responsible from everything branding to communications to marketing. And so uh, that's what I do at Zone Co. And you kind of help support any of those activities in our different departments there and make sure that the people who engage with us have a good time. Absolutely. We like to have a good time here at Zone for sure. We do. Uh, well, Sam, <laughs> we've been talking uh, over the last couple episodes about all of the complexities that are surrounding this, the payments process, specifically payment reconciliation. And we haven't really talked about or, or heard a real life experience of what it's like to deal with this payment process when it's not great, when it is something that is causing a bottleneck for your business. And so, Sam, you got a lot of experience from some other companies that you've worked with and lots of different experiences to pull from. So let's just start right there. What does it look like when you can't keep up with your payment reconciliation? Yeah, you know, and honestly, like, because, you know, reconciliation is critical part of every stage of reconciliation in the payments process, because there's, especially these days, so many different stages in that. And definitely earlier in my career, I was less aware of when this happened versus later in my career and how important finance is a role just in any kind of growth. Because I worked mostly in marketing or some type of growth-oriented role in a business. And a lot of those bottlenecks get created from that part, right? Rapid growth, unexpected growth, hitting the right pricing model, some new feature in the product uh, really elevates you against your competitors and you get sort of this spike which is where I think these problems become more evident, right? It's much easier to allow a payment process to take more time on the back end, as long as the customer is able to you know, get you their cash and feel like they're taken care of. Where it became really evident to me in some of these experiences is when from a growth standpoint, whether that's in sales or in marketing, and we're looking at or answering questions like, what's the best customer or where are we not serving the customer effectively? Not having information around what happened with a payment or a checkout experience or things like that, I make that decision making or like making progress really, really difficult. And then you've got kind of these two layers of pressure where not only are we asking more out of that side of operations in the business, like higher volume, more detail, more complexity. Now you're getting into refunds and disputes and all these kinds of things. 
And then at the same time expecting like, well, I need to know what happened with all of that tomorrow so that I can make a better decision around, you know, improvements to any part of that experience. Because checkout is, I think nowadays, or how to pay is as important to us in marketing, maybe as it is to finance from the standpoint of the customer doesn't pay, you don't have a business. That's gotten so complicated these days. And being able to understand that from a growth perspective and accommodate for it, I think is where the solutions for a lot of those challenges came from. So I can speak to like experience uh, working in like the nonprofit sector, actually. So maybe not necessarily in like a, a software company where receiving a payment or some type of processing of payment has really like changed over time. So a lot of nonprofit organizations typically are receiving their funding from things like donations, large gifts. So your kind of reconciliation of that cash flow looks a little bit different than when you're dealing with like a high volume of credit card payments over time. But as customer experience expectations have changed and with sort of the growth of internet technology and all those kinds of things, how one gets access to what a nonprofit looks for starts to merge a lot with like, how do I get access to that massage service? Or how do I get access to someone fixing my roof or what I buy on Amazon? You know, those expectations start to blur a lot. So suddenly the transaction and the ease of the transaction, which forced us to consider a payment gateway for the first time, I just had never expected to sort of deal with within that space because it was checks and actual cash. That's just traditionally what I had experienced. And this was a, a membership or was a business that was transitioning to a subscription model through membership. And what we quickly learned is that if we don't provide a good payment experience and therefore have a good payment gateway and payment processor, then we're going to actually lose opportunity to gain memberships because that becomes a barrier of entry. If I can't buy my membership online, I'm not interested in doing it because I don't want to drive the 20 miles it is to get to the location or you know all these things that come up nowadays. And when memberships became sort of the core sort of success metric then of that nonprofit from a cash flow perspective, because that's where the core of the revenue came from, what that looked like in real time became more and more important, not just from an accounting perspective, but how do we modify the membership? Everything from like the way that it's transacted and how it's presented to like what's the pricing model around those memberships. And looking back now on doing that years ago, what I know now about how this can work, it, it would be really incredible to have had that information available and be able to make those decisions in a period of weeks as a period of like months or years when finally all of that data is organized in a way where I can interpret and say, it looks like this is the preferred model, this is the preferred process. And if we can shift these things, we might unlock X percent more growth from a membership's perspective, just by making it easier to get access to it, whether that's through pricing or through the process. And payment gateways now are critical in that because they are what consolidate all that complexity and make it easy for you to offer a nice experience to somebody. The back end of that is a totally different story a lot of time. And when you start increasing that volume, right? Like when memberships start going up, you're like, oh man, that's now I've got a bigger problem on that end to deal with. And the timing between that data availability and you having to make the decision, it, it starts to get really funky. And so you start feeling like you're making a lot of guesses as opposed to informed decisions. 
So I know that doesn't really speak to like necessarily what the tension of actually reconciling that data looks like. But when I'm asking for that information back because we need to grow or whatever, it sort of feels like it's a request that's undeliverable if there's not a way to manage that more easily. Because we all want the growth, but uh, that's kind of dependent on that feedback loop at some point after you figure out what's the cool, the initial catalyst for it. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine for especially a nonprofit where budgets are so tight that as much information as you can get back to make informed decisions, I just imagine that that has such an impact on how everything goes and and how how you're performing at the end of the year. You talked about how it did slow down, did cause a bottleneck, and really it's more of a lack of information is getting produced. But I guess, is there any other ways you could mention or, or talk more about just how having such a complicated payment system really slowed down the business? Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting you say like slowed down the business because I think the irony here is that the business doesn't actually slow down. So you kind of get less time to deal with this problem because of all the things that you're saying, right? Like every dollar matters. And I think what what I learned in that particular space, and then this is maybe where the bottleneck really starts to show up in addition to that feedback loop is when you're dealing with the type of transparency that's required with an organization like that because of how financials are reported and that they're public, that you're accountable to so many things from a tax compliance perspective, because when you're dealing with donations and how things are counted, like what's counted as a donation versus what's counted as a sale, that all has implications in, in terms of like the payment and what gets processed, what's a fee versus an actual sale of the product. All of those layers of those details of data are then, they all kind of like ramp up when you get closer either to the end of the quarter or the end of the year. And that feedback loop that I was talking about earlier is like when that not only becomes important, but it becomes critical because that's when your changes are supposed to occur and you're answering to a board and all of these different things. And when that data is difficult to process or has so many details to it to create an accurate picture of it, you end up trading off your time. I think that's the other cost. We look at this as like, oh, it's just more work, but somebody has to do that work. And if that work is being done on those activities because they're required to make those decisions, you're also not focusing, and I don't think intentionally, but you're just not focusing that effort on finding efficiencies within the business or finding opportunities, right? By saying like, hey, we can incur higher costs here to earn more here. And in all my engagement with finance, like that's where the deep value in the conversation is. But when you're both dependent on that information, it's hard to say, well, don't spend all your time on that instead. And the way I remember this is like, though, just the waiting time that I would watch my founders of, you know, of this organization, how long it would, might take to get that information, especially when it's dependent on like humans, frankly, because you can only expect so much out of that. As the growth increases, so does the demand of your attention. So it's almost like you're in this weird paradox where like you need more time to do well, but you have less time and resources to do it. So that question becomes like, how do I solve for it? Because at the end of the day, if you don't show up where the person wants to pay, you won't have the business. So then none of this is a problem, right? Because like you're not transacting anything. It's just such an interesting kind of thing. You brought an interesting perspective on it of it's not that your business is slowing down because as you said, everything's still moving. It's just you have less time 
to do forward facing work because you're so focused on stuff that you can't keep up with. That's a really interesting perspective there. It's not going to be such a noticeable slowdown so much as you're not pushing forward. Was there any point for you or, or for maybe some of your colleagues where you realized the way we're doing this right now just isn't working? Was there any kind of like red flags for you guys for that? Part of it, right, is like we're human, so we react to symptoms. And I think when it becomes a serious issue is when the symptoms show up in a lot of places. So it's one thing to realize like these decisions are more challenging because the information isn't real-time available or it's hard to access or the analysis takes a while. So you're, you have those variables. It's another thing when then like the people engaging with the customer are struggling to not only transact that initial thing, but then you start to get into this whole business of like repeat customers, which a subscription model inherently puts you into. And so then customers become interested in their transactional relationship with you. There reaches a point, I think, when that feedback loop is no longer just decision-making. It's like customer experience. It's hey, I don't know if you paid for that somewhere or I don't, I can't refund that to you right now, which then impacts that whole growth thing that you were trying to achieve, right? Because that's like negative experience. And um, if you've worked in marketing before, you know what a bad review can do. So that's, I think, when it reaches like a point of, at least in my experience, critical mass and where you're like, okay, a change needs to be made. I think that's a really good thing because it's only going to benefit everybody in that ecosystem. It's a win-win-win where it kind of evolved to for a little bit is make sure that the customer obviously gets what they need. And then, you know, how long can we wait to get what we need to manage that effectively before it starts having the inverse effect? Over time, you kind of get better, hopefully get better at recognizing when that's going to occur. So you can be proactive about that versus reactive about it. Because the process of changing a payment provider, let alone a gateway, when we talk about solutions, like having to figure out how does my payment in person, online, like how do all of those experiences and data come together in such a way that I can deliver that back to the customer in real time, that eventually becomes a quintessential part of the experience for the customer, right? If you can know that ahead of time, and now these solutions are honestly so accessible, it's almost like you would never have to run into that a little bit. And it's just funny looking at that historically and being like, wow, I remember conversations with like the person at the front desk who couldn't process that refund or didn't know if the person got refunded or whatever it might be, then everyone's having a bad time kind of thing. And you're like, I was just here to teach you about something, you know, or educate you. It was a really big mind opener, like the power of a ticket sale and what it can do. I learned over time that's applicable to any kind of business. It's just crazy how much payment and at the same time not has become so critical in all of this, honestly. Like if you read a lot of payment provider customer stories or payment gateway customer success stories, right? You hear a lot of or see a lot of, this just made my business more accessible. When you're playing that trade-off of like, do we take on more of the work to make this more accessible? It's easy to say yes immediately and then realize the consequences of that later. Because like that critical mass, again, I say it was good because it forces you into that decision, but it's just so much effort at that point. And you're not only changing stuff for you, you're changing stuff for the people who have been engaging with you for a long time. And they've developed habits around how they've had to do that already. So even if it's better for them, sometimes it's change is difficult, right? What do you mean I have to pay this way? Because I remember we had to switch from just having a payment processor, 
versus a gateway. So you had to fill out a form to pay, and then you got to that digital payment processor. And when we switched from that form to like, you don't, there's no form, you just schedule and buy, and now it's delivered to you immediately, and that gets processed in our inventory system or whatever. You'd assume everyone would just like that better. And it was like, where's the form? You know, it's just funny how people get into their ways. So now you've got this weird process of like, you kind of have to hold on to the old way long enough to transition everybody while bringing on the new way. So it's like the longer you take to realize the symptoms, the harder that gets. Meanwhile, to what I said earlier, you're still growing. <laughs> so it's nothing's moving any slower at all. Wow. So many interesting facets to that. And I'm sure we'll talk even more about this in the next episode, but just how that critical mass and when you do make a jump to a better system, you have to be really prepared for it because yeah, once you open that payment gateway, once you have a system that people can easily pay, they're going to start really pouring in such a wild thing, such a facet that we haven't really talked about a lot. Sam, you had also mentioned much earlier, you said, if I knew then what I knew now about how to have a better payment system, this is what our next episode is really going to focus on of just what are some possibilities out there? What are some things you can do? But just as a hint to next episode, were you guys ever able to find a solution? Or again, as you said, you know, if you knew then what you knew now, what do you wish you could have told yourself back then? We did find a solution. It took time. I think there's still some semblance of this because this was years ago of that solution in place, which I think is just an indicator, like once it works, you also don't have to always reinvent the wheel. Getting to a place of stability and security earlier, and I think that's the thing that I would have liked to have changed with this knowledge is figuring that out earlier, would have just changed the time to value, right? The organization would have benefited from that. The people working for the organization would have benefited from that. Again, in that complex structure of like a nonprofit organization, you've got so many different stakeholders that impact your growth because funding still exists. It's not just through things like memberships to access whatever that organization provides. So the more visibility you create and the more accurate that is, the better off the whole is. And I just, if I could change one thing, it would just be the time. Even if it was going through all the stages of iteration, knowing what happened once that was sort of not even like completely figured out, but you just started to like turn the the right direction, if you will. It just flips so quickly. You're like, wow, it's crazy to know actually how much was sold today, how much was product, how much was a fund, how much, you know what I mean? And then maybe that means you get a big check tomorrow. I mean, that's, that's literally kind of how that can work. So the possibilities from that one shift are just massive. And that's what I wish was earlier. I think there's two things in that factor. At that time, maybe this technology hadn't evolved as much as it has now, even, you know, like five years later. Plus, I think just like knowing what the outcome of not doing it is, what, you know, that's more of it than anything, because it's all the same process of making it easier. It's just what tools are available to do it now. If you start to see a problem, start looking for a solution and the sooner the better on that. Sam, is there any last minute advice or tips you would give to someone who maybe is at that point where they realize their payment system just isn't working? Any last minute tips? I think changes like this are hard. So they can come with like hesitation 
or you can kind of get stuck in this cycle of evaluating whether even trying to go down the path is worth it. And I think based on just, you know, previous experience, attempting to or investing in that research even is something where like you can take a first step without anything having to change. So like you don't have to disrupt the system, but if you even see one of those symptoms, look into why isn't it working and uh, how can we make it better on the operating it because that's only going to enable the growth. And I think the reaction is how do I make the growth easier first? And that's where I would flip it. I'd say, how do I make operating that growth easier and then not get paralyzed and just try? Because Maybe it can't be worse than what you've got going on now. Well, Sam, thank you again for coming on and talking about some of your experiences dealing with payment systems and, and just some of the complexities that surround that. I really think this this gave some practicality to some of the things we've talked about in previous episodes and just really love hearing from you and, and your experience. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, it was great to great to share. Thanks for asking. And now we want to hear from you. What's your payment reconciliation experience? Let us know by emailing hello at zonaco.com. Finance in the Clouds now posts bi-weekly on Fridays. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe to Finance in the Clouds wherever you get your podcasts or watch us on YouTube on the Zonaco YouTube channel. Also, be sure to visit zonaco.com for guides, articles, all around this topic. Our next episode will be discussing how automation can free you from the weight of payment reconciliation.